Okay. Throws me off a little bit when I'm the horse and pony show. <laughs> All right. So I just uh, want to invite you to join me in a, another song, a chant that we do every week, and it really is a prayer in this very room, and we'll, we'll do a, uh, a prayer together. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit is in this very room, in this very room, in this very room. And so what I affirm and know and invite you to allow my words to be your words. And if they don't fit, just let them wash over you. But as we drop down into our heart space and connect with our souls at that deep level and let that soul inform us and guide us as well as our intellect and standing in the mosaic of information and the divine discernment that allows us to share our gifts upon this planet, to be alive in this world, to wake up to the truth of our being and to be alive in this world. Let us stand together shoulder to shoulder in the, the spiritual resiliency to understand that humanity and the way we grow many times is through adversity and crisis. And so I just give thanks knowing that something powerful and beautiful is moving in and through and as each and every one of us today, guiding, directing, resourcing, and loving. That there is nothing for us to do but to simply stop and be available and to listen. So this is a day of powerful, powerful co-creation and collaboration with that divine source of life, of who we are and whose we are. We celebrate the music, we celebrate the words, we celebrate the fellowship, we celebrate the consciousness upon which we stand, the perennial truth that God's life is our life. In everywhere we look, we see God expressing. To be a practical mystic upon this planet, to celebrate the birth of the Christ, to celebrate the wisdom of the Buddha, to celebrate wherever anyone is drawing themselves closer to the truth and source of life and sharing those gifts, creativity, love, and freedom upon this planet, we honor and support. We are a community that celebrates unity through diversity. And so in that, I know that something beautiful and powerful is happening for us. Wherever we are not unified within ourselves, wherever we, that doubt, that prisoner within me, Wherever it may be, I know that this infinite divine presence is in this moment, in every moment I welcome it, dissolving, eradicating, and purifying that idea that is no longer necessary. For this I give thanks and invite you to say with me, and so it is. So now I'm going to invite you to find a partner, if you would, stand up. If you're here for the first time, no one, we haven't lost any people doing this. It's a, it's a way of greeting and looking that person in the eye, making a connection. Come on, Rick, I'll partner with you. Look in that person in the eye and say, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for being here. I see the face of God before me. You have love to share. You have power to reveal. You have potential to fulfill. 
have potential to fill. You are a gift. I'm a gift. I celebrate the possibility with you. I celebrate the possibility with you. Through you. Through you. As you. As you. And so it is. And so it is. Beautiful. Thank you, Rick. All right. So we are, we are a very, very dynamic and, and amazing community here, and I'm going to invite uh, one of our current uh, vice chairs on our board of trustees to come forward and just share with you a bit, a bit of his experience, and, and maybe some of you are on the fence right now about stepping into that role, and I've asked Aaron Kemp to come forward and share, and he has been gracious enough to accept that invitation. <laughs> Thank you very much, Dr. Patrick. Uh, I do want to uh, take a moment of your time today to share and to... I guess send out an invitation to each one of you to be of service in a different way. Um, being on the board is a extremely exciting an opportunity, and I know from personal experience in my last year that it's been a great opportunity for growth as well. Um, my background um, on the spiritual path has been happening over the last 20 years, and and I know for sure that that you know reading and and attending different various talks and and finding different teachers. Um, has been great, but what it led me to was recognizing that what I really was missing was connection and community. And, you know, about a year and a half ago, that really struck me, and I started to recognize that my spiritual home was here, and that looking outside of this place wasn't necessary anymore. I started to ask the better question, which is, how can I be of service in a bigger way? And what does that look like? And so I put my application through to become a board member. And the last year has been absolutely fantastic in, in the sense of it's provided opportunities to cement the teaching even, even better. Um, what does it mean to be a board member? Well, of course, you get to know the center very, very well. You, you get to understand its goals. You get to participate in the creation of the vision. You get to connect to the leadership and to the membership, and to the congregation as a whole. You get to really truly support the community, and that's what we're here to be doing. All the great teachings talk about being of service, of giving of your time and your talents, and that truly is what the center is about as well. But even beyond that, what is the gift? What is the gift that being on the board gives back? It's such a valuable opportunity for personal and professional growth, um, especially personal. Um, the teaching talks to the idea that everything is within us. And being around a table with eight or nine or ten others of like mind, continually asking that question, what is mine here to do, it really helps look at the world differently. Your perspective begins to shift in a much deeper way. As we give, so we receive. And those aren't always anticipated returns. Those hidden gems are the ones that you get from being on the board sometimes. So who are we looking for? We are looking for people with leadership experience, people who have great vision, we are looking for people who have truly financial experience is, is always very helpful as we look at budget, and we are in budget season, just finishing up budget season in time for our AGM this year. 
Um, but most of all, we're looking for a commitment and a dedication to the center. This is your home, and being of service is truly how we can tithe our time and our talents. So I appreciate a couple of minutes here. If you have an interest at all in becoming a board member, there are application forms at the back. Please speak to Dr. Patrick or Laura or any of the other board members uh, if you want more information or if you have questions. Thank you very much. Thank you, Thank you Darren. Thank you very much. And Darren may be taking off, but he's already heard the talk. I want you to know he's not taking off because he doesn't want to hear the talk. Let me put this back where it belongs. Beautiful. And I really appreciate Darren taking the time today to share from his experience. And, you know, we're a volunteer organization, and, and so it's, uh, it is your generosity of spirit. We're self-supporting, as I've said many times, and, and really appreciate all the gifts and an opportunity because the highest form of, of spiritual development from many of the great people that have studied this over the years is service. It's the ultimate. And so uh, today we're doing our, our white stone ceremony, and it's actually, we've, we've, if you received a white tile when you came in the door, great. If you didn't get one, we got plenty. Last year we did two tiles for every person, and there'll be people that come next week, and if you know, if you know someone, we're going to have tiles available. This is something that people um, really enjoy, and we enjoy doing it together. And so I want to talk a bit about where it comes from. I want to talk about why it can be a meaningful experience. And of course, like any ritual, anything that we do, it really depends on the energy we bring to it. And so what I wanted to do today is help create that field of possibility and, and build to that in a way that I think is uh, meaningful and simple and clear. You know, this is the time of the year. Anyone here set a New Year's resolution for anything? Yeah, there's two people here. Three. Okay, great. That's because as, as we would be, call ourselves a metaphysical tr tradition. New thought. We're not new age, although there's a lot of new age stuff that floats through, but new thought is this new idea, this new possibility. But we don't really do resolutions. We do intentions. So, you know, if I said how many people have set a new intention, we'd see a lot of hands. And it's not to pick on resolutions, but le resolutions have a shelf life. Studies have shown that within two weeks of making a New Year's resolution, we're down to about 50% of people that are still following through on that. And then after five weeks, it lowers itself down from 50% to 1%. So another 49% kind of fall by the wayside. Anybody relate to that? Anybody in the fifth week right now? We're only at four weeks, so you, you might be at the 2%. But, and once again, not to, not to single anyone out or make that bad or wrong, but here's a, here's a letter to the editor with a, a man's description of his journey for the past um, uh, seven years. In 2011, he wrote down his New Year's resolution was to get his weight down below 180 pounds. So 2012 comes along, and he decided that he would watch his calories to get his weight down below 190 pounds. In 2013, he wrote, I will follow my diet, my new diet, to get my weight down below 200 pounds. 2014, he wrote, I will develop a more realistic attitude about my weight. 2015, I will work out five days a week. 2016, I will work out three days a week. And in 2017, the most recent uh, entry we have, I will drive by the gym at least once a week. <laughs> so resolutions, though, are a really great way because what it speaks to is our desire to change. We all know that there are things in our lives that we would like to be different. And so, and I think that is, Dr. Ernest Holmes, the founder of religious science, which is what we teach, 
Our, our philosophy, the science of mind, is our, our textbook. Religious science is our, our tradition. Uh, we, said, we changed it to Centers for Spiritual Living a number of years ago because people would confuse us, the science of mind, with Scientology, and then we'd spend time explaining what we, what we weren't rather than what we were, but we are not that. But in this idea, the world will tell you that thinking and planning and doing are very important. And thinking and planning and doing are very important. It's an aspect of our lives that uh, allows order and some sequential achievements and goals along the way. So all that's very important. Well, what I want to share with you today, and I think is a, is a better idea, a better possibility, and the theme for this month, there's a slide that was probably up there. The next slide says, I am the place where joy shows up. And joy, so this year is about possibility. And let me talk about joy. Um, a wonderful teacher. I just told Darren Griffith I couldn't remember the last name. Darren, what's the last name of Alexander? Shia. He didn't even have to say it. He just thought telepathically. Alexander Shia is an amazing, amazing theologian and scholar. And he has spent 30 years studying uh, scripture. And uh, was, was educated at Notre Dame University and actually studied with Joseph Campbell, who we just adore in our tradition because Joseph Campbell was an anthropologist, cultural anthropologist that identified myths and, and, and archetypes that, that inform all of us. Anyway, in, in Alexander Shia's journey over 30 years, he realized he, he was fascinated with the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And he couldn't figure out why or he wanted to know what was the wisdom behind picking those four because there were actually 27 sacred texts that... Constantinople and the powers that be at that time put them together. And it landed for him one day when he realized that the Gospel of Matthew, you have to read them in order according to Alexander Shia, but the Gospel of Matthew is about change, that all of us seek change, which is New Year's resolution, is it not? And then you go to the Gospel of Mark. Now, they were all writing for the audience at that time. They were not thinking 2,000 years later. It would be like somebody writing an article for the Edmonton Journal to speak to his current situation, to inform the public of what's happening now, but not, you know, 2,000 years down the road. So Matthew, once again, was about change. Then you move to Mark, the Gospel of Mark, and that's about suffering. Change always involves suffering. Change is always uncomfortable. So if you're uncomfortable or, you're, or, or not feeling grounded in yourself, that might be a great, great thing. So uh, Matthew's change, Mark is, is suffering, then we move to the gospel, gospel of John. And I'm going to use something from John today. And John's the gospel of joy. John is a gospel of joy. And then the joy gets activated in us. So I'm the place where joy shows up. And it, the last gospel represents with Luke is service. So we take our joy out into the world to serve, which is really the, the wonderful place to be. So Darren talking about serving on the board. But wherever we are, when we're in joy, it makes a difference if you've noticed. And so I am the place where joy shows up is so important. And so part of the process then of this thinking, planning, and doing, what I would suggest to you in this is it might be more effective also to have in our our tool bag of resources the, the ability of stopping, being, and listening. Stopping, being, and listening. How can I stop what I'm doing, what I'm thinking, what I'm saying, all those, some of those habitual patterns that Joe Dispenza speaks so beautifully about. How can I stop myself? How can I create a sense of being and, and permeability where I partner with this infinite divine intelligence and then listen? And we're going to do that today. We're going to take our white stones, our little tiles from the sheets of tiles we purchased, 
and uh, offer you as a, and on that tile, you'll know what to do when I'm, when I'm finished fleshing this out for you. But listening powerfully is such an underrated practice. Listening to others, listening to ourselves, and listening to spirit. Do you hear that? It's beautiful. Because we are not the mind. We are not the body. We are pure, pure consciousness. We are pure consciousness. So when we say I'm nothing, I'm not the mind, I'm not the body, I'm not the ego, I'm not the personality, it's not to, to, to harm ourselves or diminish ourselves. It's just simply to open up a spaciousness to realize there's something grand. I'm looking out at a, sli- a, sli- a group of sleeping giants right now. I think somebody ordered a trash truck out back. That's perfect. I asked them to show up at 12.03. This is great. I was in here doing a wedding one time and the guy was cutting a tree down across the street. It's amazing how loud a chainsaw can be on a Saturday afternoon. But... The point being is that stopping being and listening are as important, if not more important, than thinking, planning, and doing. Because if we're thinking and planning and doing from the old consciousness that created the conditions we have right now, what do we get? More of the same. It's the way, it's the only thing consciousness can do. It's the only thing this law that Dr. Holmes talked about, what we impress upon it, what we, what we dwell upon, we have a tendency to create in our lives. And so we start dwelling in a different way upon possibility and surrendering to the unknown because the unknown, as Joe Dispenza says and Dr. Holmes would say, is where the genius lies. And to invite that into our experience. So, listening powerfully to others, to ourselves, to God. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is quoted as saying, you have ears, but do not listen. If you notice, we have two ears and one mouth, which I think would be a mathematical equation to say, probably listen twice as much as we speak. And do we do that? Do I do that? It's a good question to ask, not right or wrong. Paul Tillich, wonderful theologian, said, the first law of love, the first law of love is to listen. When we love one another, anybody here ever been married besides me? I'll tell you what, guys, listening is really a good thing. And, And I've had a couple of marriages to work on this. And the first time I went around, I used to think when I was listening, I had to go then right away offer my opinion and fix it. Wrong. Wrong. Listen. Just listen. So listening is so important. So the the first commandment is you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Whatever that is to you. Whatever the infinite, the divine, this quantum field of love beauty. Dr. Holmes spent countless hours coming up with different designators for the idea of God because he knew there were so many people that had been put off by this idea of God which is this anthropomorphic man with a white beard on a cloud we're not talking about that we're talking about a principle we're talking about a vibration we're talking about a divine intelligence that is everywhere and, 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 the, and the personalized nature of God is, is the Christ that is alive in all of us is what Holmes would say so you could say that you shall listen to the Lord your God. You shall listen to the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Dr. Holmes has a beautiful quote that I'm going to put up here. First of all, there's a white stone. I will, I will also give him a white stone with a new name written on it. And that's part of what we'll talk about today and invite us to participate in. But the next slide is a portion of a quote. I'll share the other part of it later on. Dr. Holmes wrote this. 
if you ever go to that place of stillness, out of it everything comes. It's exactly what Joe Dispenza is saying. It is the mystery, it is the wonder, not even the infinite knows, not even the divine knows, not even God knows. And that's our opportunity to give birth to things that it cannot even imagine. And it requires us to be in, in, in close relationship with it so it can have expression. So it's delighted as we're delighted. So if you ever go to that place of stillness, out of it, everything comes. The uncreated creativity, the creative possibility of the individual out of the uncreated. The voice that has not spoken yet is ready to articulate. That's our opportunity. It's a beautiful thing. So if you think you don't know, that's not a bad thing. Because something, as Dr. Holmes would say, in me does know. Something within me does know. Something within you today is activated. We're activating something right here and right now. We're creating this field of possibility. If you ever go to that place of stillness, just still yourself in this moment. Let's just take a moment to still ourselves. There's a yoga breathing technique I've used a few times. Let's just walk through it right now. One, one cycle, we'll do more. So we breathe in through our nose for a count of four. We hold for seven, and we let it out through our mouths on a count of eight. So when I say go, let's do that. Ready? Count of four. One, two, three, four. Hold for seven, six, five, four, three, two. One, and let it out slowly, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Yeah. The breathing will slow us down, it'll slow our thinking down, it'll slow our hearts down. It is the one unconscious activity that we have that we can actually control. Because this infinite intelligence has a plan for us. It has a higher purpose for our lives. Our soul knows it. We are here to create and make a greater difference. And all that requires in that is to say yes. Do what's before us to the best of our ability and listen. And pay attention. Doors will open. Old barriers will melt away. Restrictions, old ideas. So this white stone ceremony comes from the gospel of John, which is the gospel of joy. I'm the place where joy shows up. And in it, it, it reads as follows, and you'll see it up on the screen as well. Let anyone who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, to him I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone and a, name, a new name written on the white stone, which no one knows but he who receives it. This is beautiful stuff. So I want to focus on this today a bit because it, and this requires listening. Stopping. So if you're thinking about what you're doing after service today, wonderful. But just put that to the side right now. Let the spaciousness be your experience. Just dip into the unknown. Realize there's something that is finding its way to you like never before. And in the, in the power of the swarm, as Eric Butterworth would say, beautiful Eric Butterworth Beautiful, beautiful minister from Winnipeg. Born in Winnipeg, went to New York City. Impacted and changed lives and consciousness. Amazing, amazing. Dr. Butterworth. The power of the swarm, he called it, when we gather. And so, let anyone who has an ear to listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Well, the churches are organized bodies of, of groups that believe there's something greater, I would say. And so we come together in this sacred space, this sacred community, and it's sacred because you're here. 
It would not be the same if one of you was missing. It would be different. Would it be lesser nor? I, it would be different. So thank you for being part of this and opening your heart. And it's available. It's, no one is excluded to the connection and wisdom of God. No one. Let anyone who will listen to anyone who wants to overcome to move in faith to something greater. So all it requires is an openness and a willingness in our heart to move to something greater. And in this, this scripture from Revelations, there's three promises made. Well, there are many promises made, but I'll focus on three ideas. He talks about in this, he said, I will give some of the hidden manna. Now, manna to the Israelites was the gift from God. As the legend and story goes, every day the Israelites were out in the desert for 40 years, wandering. And every morning they would go out and they would gather manna, which was this substance that, that magically or, or sacredly appeared to sustain them. And the interesting thing about manna was you couldn't keep it. You couldn't say, oh, well, let's go get a big full of manna. It would spoil. It was only good for the day. Just fascinating, isn't it? Come on, God. Let's pony up something with a little bit of shelf life. Didn't happen. Which is an example of the infinite will give us what we need in each moment. That's faith. We don't need to know the whole story. I've, I've, had, I've had children, grandchildren. They all want to read the same book over and over again because they know how it ends. There's comfort in that. Well, in this case, we don't get to know how it ends because we're constantly recreating. So manna is something that God will give you what you need today. Just the next step. step. Have faith you'll get what you need as you need it. So number one. So that's the manna. And then we move to the white stone. In that day when you were released from prison, so when John wrote the gospel, the gospel of joy, when you were released from prison, you were given a white stone. This is a clean slate. means you paid your debt. You get out, this is your get-out-of-jail-free card. Well, not for free because you, you did your time. And the slate has been wiped clean. Sometimes, and so, so if you're here today, I would say let your slate be wiped clean. Whatever bias, whatever remorse, regret you may carry with you, wipe it clean today. You have been released because we, we create our own prisons. We've made mistakes. We've disappointed other people, ourselves. We've fallen short. You've said things to people you wish you hadn't said. People have said things to you. Maybe they wish they hadn't said them or not. That's none of our business anymore. But it's to come and understand the truth of who we are and stand in the grace and realize and to be humbled by that, to be brought to our knees in a sense, spiritually. It's okay. Just because we've had struggles and obstacles doesn't mean there's something wrong with us. The only sin in this is to carry forward from this moment the idea that I've done something wrong. The belief that I've done something wrong. You did the best you could at the time. And if you knew better then, if you knew then what you know now, you would have made a different choice. I mean, use wisdom. I was at a workshop one time and they talked about forgiving people and half of them were dead. I got up at break. I said to the guy, hey, what am I going to do? They're all gone. I can't go apologize. He says, well, write them a letter. They'll get it. They're still, their consciousness is still moving around. I thought, well, that's a good idea. And he said, and the other thing you do is don't do it again. I thought, oh, I can do that. Hey, celebration. Let's move forward. I'm raising, raise your hands with me and say, I celebrate. We're moving forward. I'm declaring victory of my life right now. Moving forward. Hallelujah. Yeah. There we go. Woo. That is actually a resiliency exercise. Did you know that? You raise your hand above your head for three seconds or more, it creates resiliency. 
Remember, I did that talk about a month, month and a half ago. Simple little practice. Don't do this while you're driving down the white mud, but man, it's a good thing to do. Especially if you own a, a convertible. But the point is, is that, so with this white stone, and then the other piece of it is you get a new name. You get to write a new name on here. A quality. It might be a picture. I'm putting a symbol on mine this year because I, it came to me in a dream last night. And I realized, you know what? I'm not doing a word. I'm doing a symbol. I know what that symbol means. And, we, and last year, we asked you to leave your tiles here, and then we put them up. There's a tapestry over there. Our tiles from last year have been woven together as qualities of being. And I'm not going to do that this year because I don't want to put the pressure on you to have to, to come up with an idea because so much of that is in the rational mind. So we're going to plant a seed today. We're going to initiate a space and plant a seed and then you'll trust, you'll know what your word is, what your quality. You may have come in the door knowing we're going to do this today and decided, yeah, it's going to be this word. Maybe not. Maybe Don't jump to conclusions. Allow some spaciousness, something beautiful. So the new name. Names are important. Moses. Do you know what Moses means? Moses means to be drawn out. To drawn out. And so Moses was drawn out of the river. And he was adopted. Moses drew the people, the children of Israel, out of the slavery of Egypt. I mean, there's a name that applies, huh? Abram. Abram had a transformation, became Abraham. Sarai became Sarah. Saul became Paul. So all these, the transformations, and you see that throughout Scripture, it's a transformation. So what are you ready to be transformed into? What is it that you're being called this year to do like you've never done before? Could it be to serve? Could it be to heal? To take a stand for something? To take a stand for something? My, my son called me last night. I was preparing this talk, and, and here I am doing a thing on listening. And he calls up, and he's just a beautiful, beautiful young man. I love him. The hardest thing for me to do is to come to Edmonton and not be close to them. And he's just, you know, I'm so proud of him, and I'm delighted to be his dad. And he was so upset because of what's happening in the airports and, of course, this, this fellow that tempts us not to love him, uh, passing you know, legislation to make it harder to enter the United States. And, and he said, you know, Dad, what do we do? And so what I did is I just sat there for about 15 minutes and I listened. And then he, he finally slowed down because he was pouring it out and pouring it out and pouring it out. And, uh, you know, I said, and I just said, you know, you know what I love about you? everything and I'm so glad to be your dad and I'm so glad that you care so much I said we're going to get through this I said we've had knuckleheads before and, and I'm not saying that Trump's a knucklehead I'm just saying that he's acting like a knucklehead at times okay because my job is to love everybody I may not like the behavior but I get to love them and so and I said we're going to get through this and it's, look at all the people that got up and marched and will continue to march and will speak their, their, their voice. And so we're gonna, we just have to stand together and be resilient. He said, well, I can't eat. I said, ah, oh, don't let this guy ruin a good meal. Come on. Don't let it throw you off that. But he needed to, to, to express and he needed to drain it. And I said to him, you know what the great thing about this for me, Matthew, is I could never have this conversation with my dad. We broke a pattern here. My dad was way out here on the political spectrum and I was way over here. And I loved him. We just agreed not to talk about politics. But I said, it's so wonderful that you can call me and you call me anytime you want. And you need to drain that energy and you start to spin in the anxiety of it. And then we can be there for one another, but it requires listening and presencing. 
so that I know there's fear and I know there's uncertainty and I know that he's, he cares deeply about the world. And I love that about him and I support that. And I just kept saying, son, we're going to get through it. The, you know, the course of human history, you know, if we look at it just from last week, it's a different story than if we look at it from 30,000 feet and look at it for the last century. And even the chaos and the uncertainty and the, what we would call spiritual ignorance that is unfolding, if you look at it, there is even in that chaos, it's an, it's an upward trajectory. And it, it goes like this. Sometimes we're in the valley. We'll get through it. So it was beautiful. But I simply had to stop and I had to be. I had to be ground myself so I could listen to him and love him. But the only way... See, the only way we get better at listening is listening. And this, this gift from Scripture is yours and yours alone. So I can't give it to you. No one can give it to you but you. It might be a quality, something that you've never experienced before, something that you long to experience, the experience of unconditional love, perhaps. That's a whole different language. But it's for you and you alone. Such a beautiful thing. What I know from Scripture is that God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for my life. But see, it's not mapped out because we get to play in it. There's a wonderful Scripture from Jeremiah called, For I know the plan I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Love that from Jeremiah. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Thousands of promises in, in the in the. Christian Bible. So you may want to ask yourself today as we go into this practice, what is mine to do? What have I come here at this point in time to be? And what is the quality I am here to express more of? You may be already expressing it, but perhaps more of it. And then there's a graciousness. See, and, and as Dr. Holmes used to say, oh, you think you have to do something. You have to be something first. Be the thing itself. Embody it. Shift the consciousness so that what comes out of that consciousness is, is completely changed and transformed. It's not easy work, but it's so beautiful. When we go into this today, let's go into it right now. I'm going to invite you, to, if you're comfortable, to just close your eyes. And just... Notice your breath. I'm going to do some cycles of breathing with you right now. Maybe we'll do four of them. Four of the in-breath on four, hold it for seven, and then release it on eight. What it'll do is it'll put you into a relaxed and altered state of consciousness, a permeability that is beautiful. So let's breathe in on four. One, two, three, four. Hold for seven, six, five, four, three, Two, one. Let it out through your mouth. Eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. In through the nose. Four, three, two, one. Hold. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Release it through the mouth. Eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Through the nose. Four, three, two, one. Hold, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Release it, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. 
four, back in through the nose, three, two, one, hold for seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, release on eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. What that will do is slow you down. It'll open you up, calm you. It'll actually help you get to sleep. But Andrew Wiles says if you can build that to eight repetitions at a time. He recommends four for the first month twice a day, but you have to do it twice a day. So as you close your eyes, as we've breathed in mindfully and released it, continue to watch your breath. I'm going to invite you to relax and listen. To listen attentively and enthusiastically and see what spirit has to say to you. It might come as a feeling, a word, a picture. It'll come in different ways. It may not come in this moment, in these few moments. So don't put pressure on yourself. You get to take this tile home. Use it as a spiritual practice. For five minutes a day, listen to yourself, to the higher wisdom self, to God's presence. It'll come to you in the right time in the right way. Stand in that faith. This is the manna. You get enough each day. The manna shows up. What you need today, you have. This could change your entire life. Listen and keep a space open. Something is calling. Your soul is calling. Love beauty is calling. Keep asking the open-ended question. What is mine to do? Why have I come here? What have I come to be? What have I given? What am I to give expression to? Even if it feels like there's nothing for you to do, you are opening a space right now to listen to your soul. And I would encourage you to spend a bit of time each day to stop, calibrate your sense of being, groundedness and connection, letting your soul come alive and inform you and listen. And circulated gratitude in this state, being, circulating gratitude, of being. Gratitude that the answer is here now, the answer is on its way, that everything is coming together for you because gratitude duplicates the nature of the divine. It's one of the highest and most potent practices. It will come in its own perfect time. And so in the, in the graciousness and spaciousness of this moment, I'm going to invite you to just come back and open your eyes. Stopping and being and listening. Listening is such a powerful act of generosity.
beautiful poet David White tells a story of his uh, teenage daughter and they got into an argument one day and she ran upstairs and slammed her bedroom door and he like a good Irishman as he says as a good Irishman I put a pot of hot water on for a cup of tea and he went I went upstairs with two cups of tea and I knocked on Charlotte's door and I said Charlotte this is your dad she goes yes I know who you are and uh, he said Charlotte I would like you to tell me what it is you don't want me to say how many of us have the capacity and the wisdom to be that generous with our children what is it you don't want to hear from me as David White says in order to stop having the conversation we're having in our head or with others or with God to have a new conversation we have to stop the old conversation and sometimes that requires stopping and being and listening the names I'm about to read to you all said at their, in their own way in their own time that inspiration comes from listening inspiration comes from listening Leonardo da Vinci amazing man we all know the creations that da Vinci has gifted us with way ahead of his time inspiration comes from listening Mozart amazing, amazing composer Albert Einstein Thomas Edison Paramahansa Yogananda autobiography of a yogi Michael Jackson all said the same thing they dipped into that well I mean Michael Jackson at, at his the peak of his powers wrote some of this incredible music all from listening Dr. Holmes I'll complete the uh, quote that I showed you a portion of I think it's so beautiful and so appropriate if you ever go to that place of stillness, out of it everything comes. The uncreated creativity, the creative possibility of the individual, out of the uncreated, the voice that was not spoken, yet it is ready to articulate. Something new and something fresh, a creation that never existed and need never again be. But in the passing movement of our present fancy, the word has, shall, shall become flesh, and dwell amongst us as long as it ought to and dissolve when it is no longer necessary. So Holmes understood it wasn't about creating things and then hanging on to them. And many times we do that. It's about giving creation to what's appropriate here and now. And when it's no longer appropriate to bless it and release it. He was a master at that. They said when he was done with something, he would simply move on. If he was done with an organization, he didn't have to stand at the door and, and, and seek validation and permission from others to leave. He just left. Because he knew that for him, he was called to something else, the greater yet to be. So I would ask you today, who in your life can you listen better to? Your partner? Yourself? To the infinite? To stopping and being and listening? There's a Cambodian saying that I think is appropriate for this discussion today. He who asks the question cannot avoid the answer. So I continue to invite you to continue to ask the question and listen. And you know when the, the right idea or symbol or value or quality emerges for you, you have your white stone to place that symbol on here, that word on here of your clean slate and give yourself a new name. 
I look forward to learning all your new names over the weeks to come. Blessings.